We feel the best when we're not self-conscious. So we're fully lost ourselves in the moment and that's when we ultimately perform at our best. Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, biz leader. Thank you for taking the time to join me on another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. And on this episode, I sit down with Brent Hogarth to discuss flow, reaching your potential, and the one-day month. Brent is the head peak performance coach at the Flow Research Collective, where he has trained thousands of sport and corporate athletes to find greater flow state, mindfulness, and self-control in their lives. He has a significant training and experience providing performance enhancement coaching and mental health counseling, including work with Olympic and professional athletes, startup CEOs and entrepreneurs, members of the USA military, doctors, coaches, hedge fund managers, and more. Brent believes that everyone has the ability to be a high performer and achieve optimal experience. In our conversation, we dig down and discuss the four stages of flow. We talk about what the one-day month is and how it could help you and how internal control blocks us from achieving our goals. This episode is brought to you by Slingshot Communication, the cloud phone service that helps you 100x your business. Here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Brent. Happy to be here, Edwin. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm super excited. Uh, I'm really, I've been really looking forward to this conversation just to talk about um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give it away, actually. But to talk about, you know, especially things that I'm interested in, like productivity, um, physical fitness. But can you start off, Brent, introducing yourself um, to our listeners today? Let us know who you are, what you like to do. I guess when you're not consulting or leading business leaders. Sure. Well, I just finished a crazy 100 mile run, climbing uh, from the base to the top of Whistler and then the base to the top of Blackcomb two days in a row. I didn't sleep for two days. So I don't know if you call that fun, but uh, it was definitely a, a meaningful challenge and something that stretched me and uh, ultimately put me into flow state, Edwin. It was the first time for me doing an ultra and I didn't fucking sleep for two days straight. And I was in the mountains by myself holding bear mace trees were transforming into prehistoric creatures and you know i was hallucinating it was one hell of a wild ride and ultimately i guess you know what what's fun for me to to summarize is something that uh, the founder of flow theory which i'm all about uh Mihai spoke about how the most meaningful moments in our lives are those times that stretch our stretch us that are those big challenges that require all of our attention and all of our skills so yeah what's fun for me is being engaged you know whether it's playing basketball I'm the big basketball guy still here in, in Vancouver Canada where I live skiing uh, doing these ultra runs um, and yeah coaching uh, that's uh, you know I think ultimately it comes down to finding problems that I'm interested learning how to solve them and uh, being engaged so that's a little bit what's what's fun for me 
Yeah, no, I and, and we'll hold the thought on on Flosi because I'm I definitely sure. I'm super excited about that. But I just want to revisit and emphasize, uh, and to repeat, you did a hundred mile ultra marathon in the mountains in 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 the West Coast in BC. And for you know, for those who are wondering, um, a marathon is twenty six miles. I've done marathons, Brent. This is four marathons in a row. So it's four marathons in a row, but the, here's here's the kicker, Ed. When we did about 30,000 feet in elevation gain, so what that means is you can be going for four hours and maybe do a couple miles. Like you're you're going up, and that doesn't count you moving forward in, in your mile progression. So it's, uh, yeah, four, four, yeah, 100 miles, yeah. Oh my gosh! I guess I, I wonder if there's like a, a calculation that would calculate that mileage, the upwards mileage, because then you would have probably done uh, 120 miles, right? Like yeah, if they yeah, actually yeah. calculated the the lift, right? Yeah, it was it was wild. No, and I'll say the most meaningful time for me wasn't at the end of it. It was uh, my ankle was busted at one point, climbing up, just pulling myself up with the poles, and and my you know. Bracing every step down with for my ankle, it was that, and then in the blistering heat, uh, climbing up my my last ascent of Whistler, and it was just, it was the emotional release um, at the very top, which was you know I was maybe three quarters through the run. That was the most meaningful time, and it kind of wow. tracks back to what we'll talk about with flow. But flow, you know, that optimal state where we're absorbed, it only arises after we say yes to the fight when we kind of first take on this struggle. And that was the biggest struggle, the biggest challenge for me. And it produced the biggest reward. And uh, yeah, I think that's what it's all, all about. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. Congratulations on that, on that feat. Uh, I did follow, I did follow you along on, on Instagram as you shared, as you, as you took off. And uh, I was just imagining myself like, Brent is crazy, <laughs> but uh, but uh, that, that's amazing. I, I do have aspirations to do that, but I don't know if my body can take it. But uh, definitely, definitely, running is still in my game, um, and definitely in my in my ecosystem as well. Um, yeah, so I want to circle back to that, um, mm -hmm. Brent, especially when we talk about flow state, and this is something um, you know you hear about now, and maybe it's a rise, a raise because of the raise of consciousness or whatever society. But how would you describe? what flow state is to those who are maybe hearing this term for the first time. Yeah. So flow is often uh, defined as kind of when we feel and perform at our best. Uh, we can think about it as those moments where attention just becomes completely absorbed in the task at hand. So that could be gardening, that could be playing a sport, that could be coding, that could be in a deep, meaningful conversation. It's essentially when we just become com completely absorbed and engaged in what we're doing. And, and why that's important is one, we transcend our sense of who we are, right? We feel the best when we're not self-conscious. So we're fully lost ourselves in the moment. And that's when we ultimately perform at our best, right? That's when we have a massive boost in creativity and productivity and, and really a, a sense of well-being. So I would think of flow simply as those moments where we have complete absorption and engagement in a task at hand. And another very simple definition I'll often share is that flow is order in consciousness. So when you think about today, especially in, in industry where change is uh, 
occurring so rapidly and where you know all of our fields are so complex now it's and we're working so hard with covid with everything that's unfolding it's a very chaotic world so in flow state what state what happens is our consciousness itself shifts from a state of chaos of entropy to one of of order and and that's really i think the benefit to to leaders to people in tech, to to anyone, is that it's not only the creativity, the the boost in productivity and well-being, but it's the sense of feeling in harmony. Uh, in the Tao Te Ching, uh, Lao Tzu talks about this state called Wu Wei. I'm sure you've heard of it. So that's mm-hmm. action through non-action. So it's this effortless state because there's order in it. We don't have to question ourselves. We're not unsure if we're going in the right direction. There's this sense of, of order and ease and, and really trust so that we can surrender to the moment. So I know I said a lot there, but uh, I think yeah. order and consciousness defines well, it well. No, mm-hmm. it's it's great, and, and, I, and I appreciate the definition and the explanation. But for, you know, as, as you were talking, Brent, I... I maybe never had a definition for it. I'm a snowboarder. I, I taught snowboarding many years ago. But I remember I remember that snowboarding was an escape for me because it quieted my mind in the sense that I was in the moment. You know, if you lose moment, if you if you're going down an aggressive r- trail or maybe something that is maybe beyond your capacity, and if you stop thinking about, or if you start thinking about what you had for lunch or the conversation you had with your girlfriend, I mean, you're probably going to fall and hurt yourself, right? But is that like, is that flow? Like, because I'm in there, everything, I could see the trail, I could see the snow coming off the, you know, the, the, my rails and, and just feeling everything. Is that, is that, is that, is that, is that like a perfect, um, and maybe the adrenaline too helps too, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah, we can get into some of the neuroscience and neurochemistry, but absolutely, that's a that's a, a flow state, and and we can think about flow occurring in. And this is a good thing as as far as a practical uh, tip and things for people to consider is that flow happens in what we would call like a high flow activity. So these are like structured contexts or environments that we put ourselves in that have all these kind of preconditions of flow already built in them. So I'll go through some of the, some of these kind of prerequisites for flow and kind of tie it back to snowboarding and maybe even my run because that's a, mm-hmm. something that's on my mind right now. So when you're snowboarding, you have a clear goal, right? You know what you're doing. You want to go down the hill. Maybe you want to do it in your own style, your own authentic way. So there's a clear goal. Uh, second, you have immediate and relevant feedback, right? You know how fast you're going. You can see, you can feel it. You, the friction of the wind, the sound, all of that. It's, it's that feedback that keeps you engaged and lets your mind go to the unconscious as so that, you know, thinking Edwin can, can disappear. That's why, you know, for instance, I have a, a really old classic car that just rumbles, you know, and when you drive it and, and it's old convertible, it's like you just get into flow so quickly. So you get immediate relevant feedback and the, the golden rule of flow is what's called like a challenge skill balance. So I'm sure when you're snowboarding, maybe it takes a couple runs. But you will start to kind of bring your best skills to the run. Again, maybe you're doing some unique tricks or going through the trees a little bit or what have you. And so when your skills are being maximized and you're taking on kind of 
the biggest challenges you can, that's when your attention, like you said, has to be completely absorbed and wrapped in what you're doing or else you're going to fall flat on your face. So those are uh, a few of the prerequisites. We can go into more of them, but absolutely flow is, um, is yeah, snowboarding is a great high flow activity. Yeah, so I guess for me, and I'm curious, when we talk about flow and a lot of the examples and and what I read about out there is it seems to be always linked to high adrenaline, high risk activities. But you did mention earlier that you can get into a flow slate if you're doing something simple as well, like washing the dishes. And so are there any tips in terms of like like really doing that? Because that's maybe not a fun activity for a lot of people, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's a great point. So we can think about flow as like a micro flow state and a macro flow state. So that macro flow state, maybe you snowboarding, me doing this 100-mile run, you can think of like uh, mystical, spiritual peak moments. That's a, that's a macro flow state. But in our day-to-day life, you know, the goal really is, and it, it tends to be a little bit more actionable, is how do we find these little micro f- moments of flow? So this is when we have those three prerequisites. I talked about clear goal, feedback, channel skill balance. We have a sense of maybe there's some risk involved, but not a huge risk like snowboarding. Uh, maybe there's a sense of a uh, sense of control and effortlessness. And, and this happens essentially when, again, we create context where we're single-minded focus on the task at hand, where we eliminate distractions, and we have essentially an intention for what we're doing, right? In a world where our attention can be pulled in so many different directions, just having a moment of clarity as you sit down at your desk and say, you know, this is my one single goal for the next 20 minutes can produce, you know, a clear uh, micro flow state. And the more and more micro flow we get, we open up the opportunity to experience macro flow. And to, and to give a, another map and model for listeners, it's important to think about flow as not like this on and off switch. It's not as if Edwin or Brent just starts snowboarding and right away we step into flow. You mm-hmm. can think about mm-hmm. it as a, a four-stage uh, process. Have you heard about this kind of four stages of flow before? No, I haven't. No? Cool. This is great. So the first stage is the struggle stage. So this, again, is like we got to say yes to the fight, whether it's snowboarding, going up the chairlift, the anxiety coming up, whether it's sitting down at a task to start your day and being overloaded by all that you need to put together. We've got to say yes to this to fight and have a little bit of grit, right? Willingness to stay in, in the struggle. The second stage of flow is the release stage. So this is after we've primed the brain with and kind of overloaded it with the task we're taking on cortisol shot up it's like okay let's let's release let's step away from the task at hand do some breath work a walk around the block essentially let the unconscious process everything we've been preparing to take on with this task sometimes i think even going up in the chairlift is like a nice release um, to start the day and then we come back to the task maybe that's you buckling up your snowboard going down the run and that's now you're primed for flow. You've struggled, you're prepared, you've released, you allowed your nervous system to reset, and now you can get optimally engaged in that task, find flow. And then the fourth piece of flow, which is really important, you know, to uh, to make sure that we keep moving in the right direction, but also avoid burnout, is recovery. 
right? And so the fourth stage of flow is recovery. And so as I work with executives and professionals, it's it's how do they set up their day so they're consciously moving through this four-stage flow cycle a few times in the day. So their morning routine might be one flow cycle. The first half of their day might be another flow cycle. Then the final uh, half of their day is the third flow cycle and the recovery really builds in to the rest of their night uh, and their evening. It's really built off this uh, mentality of learning to live like a lion, like being fully on when it's time to be fully on and then really rest and recover when it's time to recover. Yeah, no, that's great. And that, that really put a lot of things in context. And I guess since I'm wondering, maybe people who are listening yeah. might be wondering, when we talk about multiple flow states throughout our workday, throughout our you know, positions that we're in in leadership, having multiple flow states doesn't necessarily mean it has to be the same activity, the same task, right? We could have a flow state in the morning when we go for a run. And then we, we could uh, hypothetically get into a flow state when we are returning emails, right? Like we, that could be a flow state, a very... I guess a micro one as you as you talk about is that correct and 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 staying into this type of like recovery so would recovery happen after each flow session or do you have a recovery a big recovery at the end yeah i would try to build recovery throughout the day so have a few uh kind of micro recoveries throughout the day and, and really structure that into this into one schedule for for the week for the for month per quarter, so I have these kind of deep recovery sessions. Something I'll, I'll share with you as a as a practice. So, um, again, I have this old classic car, and unfortunately, with these old cars, you 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 have to bring it to the mechanic more often than you want. And so, when I bring my car to the mechanic, he says, "You know, Brent, when I work on these old cars, I can only work on that one car throughout the day. I can't shift to other cars. I'll lose track of what I'm working on." whatever it may be. And so for your listeners, I would challenge them to take on uh, what we've called at the Flow Research Collective, uh, the one day month. And what this is, is where you plan out a full day, you turn off all notifications, let people know you're going dark, and you eliminate all distractions. And you've mapped out exactly what goals you take on in what we have planned out is kind of four flow blocks so four um, work periods with your recovery built in and give yourself that an opportunity to take that on in a day and and you will see what's possible in in a flow state and to give you a little bit more of the structure that's kind of waking up at 5 a.m jumping right into a three-hour work block building in a, an hour recovery, building, uh, doing another three-hour work block, another hour recovery, a two-hour work block, another two-hour recovery, and one final work block. And give yourself that opportunity to see what's possible and then leverage the lessons that you learn in that one-day month into your daily deep work, which I would encourage each listener to try to get at least 60 minutes of uninterrupted focus time each day where they can leverage, again, those lessons of, you know, this recovery was best for me. This clarity of goals was needed. This was the best feedback to know that I was moving in the right direction. So that I know you want practical things, and, and hopefully that can be something people take on here. And one last thing... Yeah, I'll say one last thing, sorry to keep going here, is why we call it the one-day month 
is because research suggests that people only get around 11 minutes of deep work each and every day. And so this one day month, we kind of challenge people to aim to get 11 hours of deep focus in one day and perhaps accomplish in one day what a typical person may in a whole month. Oh, I love that. I love that. And it, it aligns up to some of the practices I've, I've adopted over the years where I where I really get into that, but I do appreciate that. And, you know, you mentioned a couple of times the Flow Research Collective, and we'll definitely put a link to them as well and some of the resources that Brent may, yeah, has to share as well in the show notes below. Um, I wanted to shift a little about some of the practices that you have, and you have something that that is, is acceptance and commitment therapy uh, or ACT. Um, can you share with us what that is and, and, and how it is used, I guess, to get into flow? Yeah, right on. So acceptance commitment therapy is a, uh, so I'm trained as a sporting clinical psychologist. And as a clinical psychologist, my theoretical orientation is acceptance commitment therapy. And this is, a new wave in psychology, a wave that's really focused on no longer being uh, hyper-fixated and trying to change or control our thoughts. Actually, ACT sees control as the problem, not the solution, uh, and rather refocus on how do we just develop a new relationship to our internal experience that gives us the flexibility to keep moving in the right direction, no matter how we're feeling, no matter what thoughts we're having. It's really about kind of getting out of our head and, and into our life. And so ACT uh, is does this through developing what's called psychological flexibility. Again, psychological flexibility is the ability for your internal experience to arise and to allow that show the passengers on your bus to jump on, scream, yell, cry, whatever it may, they may be doing, but for you to still stay in the, in the front seat, driving towards ultimately your values. That's the goal of ACT, is living a value-driven life, not necessarily eliminating anxiety, depression, suffering. It's about kind of welcoming it on, uh, on the bus. And so the six processes that ACT aims to develop to, to get to this psychological flexibility is first being present in the moment. Right? We, need, we all know we need to be here now. Learning to create diffusion. What that means is creating space between our thoughts, our emotions, our internal experience, and us as consciousness or the observer of these internal events. Uh, the third is a very kind of Buddhist uh, principle. It's, it's identifying with a sense of who we are that's a process. That's almost like the context in which our thoughts arise not the contents. So not identifying overly with, you know, labels or identifications of, of how we could describe ourselves or even our history. And I'll give you a, a personal experience of what this self as context can look like. And, and this actually changed my life. So um, backstory, I was an out of control youth. It makes sense how I end up in ultra marathons. And after college, I went to India and I was living in a Buddhist monastery. And at that point in my life, this is a long time ago, probably 15 years, I, I think I was seeking self-acceptance. Um, end of a breakup, a bunch of things, you know, typically pain causes change. And in meditation, I realized that that part of me I was seeking to accept was a thought, was an idea, was, a, was my ego. 
right? And once I recognized in meditation that that was, again, something, a thought, a belief, that journey, well, first, it created a lot of space between me and it. I was no longer fused and caught up in having to protect it, somehow rationalize that self, right? Which gave me that space. And that gave me all the freedom to say, you know, I can live differently. I don't need to be trapped by that self anymore. And the two last aspects of ACT is awareness of values, right? And, and commitment towards them. So that's ACT in, in a quick nutshell. Well, that's amazing. And thank you for sharing. Do you have, and I'm sure, I'm sure you have maybe uh, something you wrote or some article that we'll definitely share with our listeners because this, it's, it seems like a practice where they could at least get the, you know, complimentary from what we're talking about. And they also dig deep, right? Because, you know, all the business leaders we talk to, the bit, the most successful one, I'm sure you see this as well in your practice, Brent, um, are not only leading people and mentoring, but they're also always, you know, implementing practices and something like this within their life um, and continuing to upgrade. So that, that was an amazing experience, actually. So I appreciate you sharing in terms of like being all the way around the world and um, maybe you were sent there from by God to uh, repent your sins. <laughs> to, to, to add, like, uh, again, ACT is taught through a, a lot of experiential and, and metaphor activities. So one metaphor that people can just think about to try to practice some of this kind of ACT philosophy is the struggle switch. So when, when a thought of, you know, I wish I could be doing something better or a challenging emotion or experience shows up in one's internal experience, unfortunately... We tend to turn on the struggle switch, which means I don't want to fucking feel this right now, right? I need to get rid of this. And again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, control is considered the problem in act, not the solution. What I mean by that is in, in our life, when we have a flat tire, let's say, we use control to get a new new tire, we're back on the road. So control works really well in the external world to find freedom, just mm-hmm. like all the processes, bureaucracy, all this, this control works well in the external world to, to find some flow. But, but when it comes to our internal world, when we aim to use control to avoid thoughts, avoid emotions, feel just a certain specific way, it tends to get us more caught up in our head and out of actually being present and moving towards what we care about. So this struggle switch analogy, when that challenging emotion or thought shows up if we can say you know what i'm not going to struggle with this i'm not turning on the struggle switch what that does is it it stops the cascade of emotions and the story that adds on to just that initial anxiety let's say and it allows that anxiety to be there and to shift and to move so much more quickly than if we were to struggle and not want it to be there. They call it kind of befriending your demons in Buddhism. And, and so that's just one little metaphor. We can go into a bunch more and uh, I can definitely link some on the show notes to yeah learn how to kind of practice act in our, in our everyday life. And maybe the last piece I'll just add to this, I do also work with athletes and this is a big shift in the athletic world because typically it's been thought that we need to connect to an ideal performance state. We need to feel a certain way. We need to have a certain level of arousal, certain positive thoughts in order to perform. But what more recent research has shown is when we have that 
that belief, we need this ideal performance state. What happens is there's this ironic process where we're now seeking for threats. We're, not, we're now hyper self-focused, which pulls us out of what's a task-relevant focus. So getting out of that world completely and just saying, okay, what are the values I'm, I'm willing to, I'm moving towards right now? Practicing being able to hold whatever shows up tends to be a lot more functional as an approach to, to flow. Yeah, that's amazing. That's it's so much to think about uh, in terms of that, and and I and I'm sure as you coach and work with other business leaders, executives, you know, you try to get rid of this analyzing as well, right? And get into these little practical things that are simple, and then stack on on that as well, right? Because it's it's an ongoing practice. Um, this 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 flow state, the self self development, this this. Um, journey to self-actualization like not to get too deep but um i think it's something that you just know like you said turn on and turn off as a flow state it's just something that we continue to work on and and i know brent i feel like you and i could like have multiple shows on this anyways but i'm curious for yourself um you know all this experiences that you've been putting yourself through i'm sure it's a practice to also implement what you teach so what are the things that you are currently I want to, for lack of better words, struggling. But what are you looking to improve within your business, within your practice, your personal practice, um, that will continue to help, you know, build other leaders um, and get other athletes to get into this flow state? Like, what? <laughs> what what's your focus? Yeah, great question. So, firstly, I would say that a lot of my focus has been understanding what is my vision and mission as a, as a professional and my career, and, and at this point in my life. It's to solve the mental health crisis, or at least help in solving the mental health crisis through improving the way that people work. Abraham Maslow had this vision that the, the most highest leverage place we can make an impact to create a, a thriving society is within the workplace. And that in and of itself, kind of understanding, defining, feeling connected to that, recognizing the values that lead me towards that has been a big part of, of my focus. Um, and every day, uh, my, my flow, uh, routine is quite simple. Um, I have a meditation room. Uh, it's an office that I clear out every, when I'm not working in it. And I start off every day. I have a little bit of an altar space and I do a few kind of prostrations, like little bows of honoring, um, the, the, the symbols I have on this little altar. Um, it's something, a great practice I'd encourage others to do. So, humbling myself to, to that mission, to that vision, and sitting in meditation. Uh, I have a very simple meditation practice. It's simply the art of doing absolutely fucking nothing. And <laughs> I like it. Sitting, yeah, sitting, closing my eyes and observing what's, what's there with, with that acceptance and, and embracing it. So 20 minutes meditation in the morning is, is my aim. Uh, and then, you know, again, I'm coming off this uh, – 200 uh, or sorry 100 mile run so my exercise is a little lighter uh ski season is going to start now so that's going to be a big part of, of you know for me exercise it always has to be revolved around a goal right so for me it's i'm really doing some backcountry skiing this year so my training is really around building leg strength uh getting my equipment ready to do some kind of big backcountry skis this winter um and, but to go specific to to work, what I'm focused on is really building systems and processes to create team flow. 
that's my number one goal is, is how do I create the conditions so that teams can enter flow? As we know, the world is changing so quickly and teams allow us to do what we can't do on our own. So right now, my focus is reading, researching, creating processes and systems to take startups and larger teams through the the elements of, of team flow. And, and I can go through some of them to, right now. It's, it's really how do we kind of connect to this collective ambition, this reason for being. So creating a lot of workshops, activities for teams to feel this collective ambition, having them aim to high, hard, challenging goals. Having to make sure that each individual goal lines up to the high hard team goal. And I can go on and on about open communications, communication safety, but that's really my focus work wise is, is creating the conditions for team flow to emerge. Uh, so again, we can really transform the way we work. And uh, the last thing I'll just share is, uh, my work is really driven by this one book, Humanocracy. I was really inspired. I'm not sure if you've read that book yet. It's a beautiful book, uh, and it's all around breaking down bureaucracies and allowing organizations to really be as great as the people within them. And that means creating fully human organizations where people have autonomy, can utilize their skills, find team flow. So, yeah, kind of learning how to create human-led uh, organizations is a is a big focus of mine. So I went all over the place there, um, but it's my day is as far as structures is, is meditation, time for uh, deep reading, time for uninterrupted focus, time for writing. So that's about three practices, and then I fit my exercise and um, yeah, family time is kind of top of the priority next to all that. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing, and we'll definitely. Um list a lot of these resources and these events, these workshops, you know, be sure to keep us updated. Um, we're always happy to share it with our community uh, for those who are looking for these type of, uh, these type of workshops, right? I mean, I mean, even for me, like um, these are, it's all interesting stuff. So definitely keep us in the loop. Um, before we well, end. One thing, one thing on that, I, I am having a, a, I do these deep work retreats. So this is where people come down, uh, the next one's in Mexico, and they've planned out, kind of like that one-day month I alluded to earlier, where they they have one goal they want to work on. We spend a two days exercising, recovering, getting set and primed, and then we spend three days in doing deep work. So I'll send you the date for the next deep work retreat and love you to come there. And, and if others want to come, it's a really a, an amazing experience and uh, something a great way to start the new year. So we're, we have the next one in, in January here. Oh, that's amazing. That's that. That's definitely timely, and I do appreciate that. Um, Brent, I guess to close, can you tell us where we could find, obviously, more information? We will have it in the show notes below, but anything you want to shout out yeah. or, or, or where to follow you? Yeah, yeah. Well, Edwin, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Time flew very fast here. Um, yeah, you can check me out at just my email or yeah, email Brent Hogarth at Gmail, my website, brenthogarth.com. You can find more about my Florex program there. You can follow me. I'm kind of all over the place on, on Instagram and once in a while on, on Twitter. Uh, but definitely on, on LinkedIn is a, a great place to, for professionals to connect and learn about more flow training. And certainly if, uh, team flow is an, an interest of, your listeners, I would love to have a chance to 
share more in the future. And so feel free to reach out to me anytime. And Edwin, uh, we'll have to get a good run in next time about in Toronto or when you're here Vancouver. in Vancouver, boss. Yeah, hundred percent. Brent, thank you so much for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Respect. Thank you. That's it, Biz Leader. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. This was episode number 178 with Brent Hogarth. For more information about Brent, his programs, or any other resources that we shared, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 178 or simply click or slide into the show notes directly into the app that you're listening to. If you haven't done so yet, please give the show a follow, rate, and leave a review as it actually helps me reach other business leaders just like you. This episode was brought to you by Slingshot Communication, the business leader's preferred cloud phone service. What I like about the service is that I'm able to expand and grow 100 times by allowing the systems in place transform my business. I have the ability to make and take SMS messages and it's changed the game. I contact my clients, stakeholders and team members via text messages and I turn it off during the weekends, during off hours that allow me to be present with my family. To learn more, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash SMS. Until next time, do your best and have a 100x day. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Thank you.